Hey, good morning, Plum Creek. It's great to have all of you with us today, including our 2022 graduates. I want to say congratulations to all you guys. Uh, we love you, and we're praying that God will bless you and that you will follow wherever he leads. Well, we're in the second week of our sermon series called Joseph. But before we get to that, I want to follow up on Troy's video about worship in the park. Uh, you know, I've been here for 10 years, and in that time, uh, Plum Creek has never had an off-site, outdoor Sunday morning worship service. I'm really excited about this, and I agree with Troy. I, 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 we need to pray and think about who we could invite to join us on 20, uh, June 26th. I'm also excited about a few other things that are coming soon around here uh, on June 10th through the 12th. I'm leading the Parent and Me Camp. Uh, this is a unique kind of camp. It's designed for parents and elementary kids to attend together. And the goal is to help parents lead their children to know and follow Jesus. And then one weekend later, from June 17th through the 19th, our Next Gen Ministry is hosting All-Star Camp. And at this camp, elementary kids will choose one activity from several options like baseball, soccer, basketball, and uh, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to hear about Jesus. Uh, they're also going to build some fundamental skills. And I cannot promise you that your child will attend All-Star Camp and, and go on to a career in professional sports. But I will tell you this. I did not attend a camp like this. And I did not have a career in professional sports. So you can draw your own conclusions there. Uh, I should also say there will be activities that aren't sports-related at all, like art. Um, but there, this is another opportunity for us to reach out to families. And this is one of the big reasons why we have events like this. It's about leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So let's be looking for opportunities, thinking about who we can invite we actually have a bonus opportunity coming soon because we had to cancel our Man Up event yesterday due to weather. Uh, the plan is to reschedule this, so keep your eyes open. Uh, there are certain guys who would not be super excited about coming to church on a Sunday morning, but they would be interested in target shooting and axe throwing and bull riding and eating a bunch of smoked meat. So in all these things, we want to help people get connected to our church, sure, uh, but we really want to see people get connected to Jesus. And now it's time to dig into Scripture this morning. Uh, for a few weeks here, we're going to look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. And this is Old Testament Joseph, uh, the guy who wore the Technicolor dream coat. And as we go through this series, we're keeping two questions in mind. Question number one. What difference does it make if you truly believe that God is with you? And then question number two, what difference does it make when you truly believe that God will eventually set things right if you keep trusting in Him? And here's what we know. If you do believe that God is right there with you through all the good times and the bad times, and you believe that He will ultimately set things right if you put your trust in Him, you will live a different kind of life. You will stand out in this world. And that's exactly the kind of person Joseph was. Last Sunday, I shared a timeline of Joseph's life, and his life was kind of a roller coaster with all these ups and downs. 
But throughout those high points and the low points, Joseph put his trust in God, no matter what was going on. And there's a lot that we can learn from Joseph, but we can also learn a lot from the other characters in this story. Last Sunday, we focused on Joseph's father, Jacob. And I kind of gave Jacob a hard time because he did make some bad decisions, and he set his family up for some dysfunction. This morning, though, we're going to look closely at Joseph's brothers. And as we look at these brothers, uh, we're going to see more than just mistakes. We will see pure evil. But before we get there, we need to back up and remember some of the family history. Joseph's great-grandfather was a man named Abraham. And Abraham was the great patriarch or forefather of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. He was kind of like George Washington is for us. Then Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob was Joseph's father. And Jacob had 13 children by four different women, which, not surprisingly, caused some problems. Uh, Jacob did have a favorite wife, Rachel, and Rachel gave birth to Joseph, who became the favorite son. And that's where the famous coat comes in. Jacob gave Joseph this ornate robe, which then became a symbol of that favoritism. And the older brothers, they hated Joseph for that. Now, going back to our timeline, this famous coat, that was the first stop on our journey through Joseph's life. And as you can see, he was at a very high point here. Uh, At at this time in his life, things were going pretty well. He was happy. But things took a very bad turn when Joseph started having these dreams. According to these dreams, it, it seemed like sometime in the future, Joseph would rule over his brothers. They would bow down to him. And remember, these are the older brothers. Joseph's brothers were in line ahead of him to receive the father's inheritance. And then, out of arrogance or cluelessness, Joseph told his whole family about these dreams. And you don't need much emotional intelligence to guess what happened next. The brothers hated Joseph even more. Had the coat, now you got the dreams. And that was the state of things where we left off last week. Joseph's brothers looked at him with envy and resentment and actually hatred. The whole situation was about to boil over. Meanwhile, the father, Jacob, he didn't really do anything to confront this conflict in his home. But he does something that seems a little crazy. In Genesis 37, Jacob sends Joseph out to a remote area to meet his brothers. And let's pick up the story in Genesis 37, starting with verse 12. Now Joseph's brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel, this is Jacob, Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, Joseph replied. So Jacob said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. And then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. Okay, now at first glance, this may not seem like a big deal, right? Dad is just putting his boys to work, and that's a good thing. But as you look closer, 
there's some troubling things going on here. Uh, first, this journey was 50 miles from Hebron, one way. And Joseph was traveling alone. He was traveling through a wild area that was known for lions and bears. And he was also going to the region of Shechem. If you were here last week, that, that name might ring a bell. Because earlier in Genesis, we read about this tragedy. Jacob's daughter, Joseph's half-sister, Dinah, was raped by a man named Shechem. And where do you think that name comes from, the, the name of that town? The town was named after the man, Shechem. And the, the brothers, as I mentioned last week, they were furious when they found out what happened to their sister. And so a couple of them went to the town of Shechem and they murdered every man who lived there. So do you think there might be some animosity in the region of Shechem against Jacob's boys? You better believe it. Now, Joseph had nothing to do with those murders, but he was one of Jacob's boys. And then on top of all that, let's not forget the fact that these brothers are full of jealousy and hate. They're ready to kill Joseph. And I, I don't mean that figuratively, that's literal. So Jacob here sent his son into very dangerous territory. He's kind of the opposite of a helicopter parent. And let's see what happens next. Verse 17. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Now, first of all, every person in this story was foolish in one way or another. Jacob was foolish for sending Joseph on this crazy trip. And as we'll see here in a few verses, Joseph was kind of foolish because guess what he wore to go see his brothers? He wore that coat, the, the ornate robe, and that robe was guaranteed to enrage his brothers. In the end, though, it's the foolishness of the brothers that really takes the cake. They were so mad they couldn't see straight. And now they were ready to, to do something evil because evil had taken a hold of their hearts. Now let's remember those two big questions. What difference does it make if you truly believe that God is with you? And what difference does it make if you believe that God will eventually set things right if you trust in Him? How do you think Joseph's brothers would answer those questions? Well, they were like, we're not even thinking about God. And we're sure not going to wait for Him to do something to solve our problem. We're taking control and we're going to do things our way. Now, let's pause for a second and let's think about our own lives. Over this past week, over the past seven days, how much did God factor into the decisions that you made? Did you stop and consider His will? Or did you just kind of move ahead based on your own priorities and your own agenda? Your answer to that question depends on the state of your heart. Is your heart softened toward God? Are you willing to listen to him? Or is your heart hardened toward God and you're just going to do what you're going to do? Now, I wanted to pause right here because we need to latch on to a key principle. 
Think about these brothers. How in the world did they get to a place where they were willing to murder their own flesh and blood? Was it because the ancient world was just that violent? Was it because these brothers were just psychopaths? Well, we need to be careful here because there's something we see in these brothers that is common to all of us. And I mean all of us. It's the key principle that I'm talking about. Sin has a numbing effect on your heart. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's break down what just happened here. In the case of this family, the brothers started with a very common sin, the sin of jealousy. And we need to be clear about this word, sin. Sin is any decision that you make that goes against God's law and God's will. And here's the thing. Every sin is a step down a path. It's a step down a path that takes you to a place where you do not want to go. And what did that path look like for Joseph's brothers? Well, like we said, it started with jealousy. They held this jealousy in their hearts. They didn't confess it. It was never resolved. And then from there, it morphed into something else. It morphed into bitterness. So this was more than just a few moments of jealousy now and then. That bitterness spoiled their entire relationship with Joseph. Back in verse 4, we see that the brothers weren't able to say even one kind word to Joseph. But it didn't stop there. That bitterness became hatred. And at this point, you, you've gone beyond just disliking someone. You actually want bad things to happen to that person. But there's a place even beyond hatred, and that's a hardened heart. And once you get there, your heart doesn't even feel anymore. You're just numb. And this is a very scary place to be, because here you don't just want bad things for that other person. You're willing to do bad things to that other person. When your heart is hard, you don't want to listen to anyone. Not your friends, not your family, not your own conscience, and not even to God. Now, I want you to look at that progression. At the end of that line, the brothers were ready to kill Joseph, but it didn't start out that way. It started with uh, just old-fashioned, simple jealousy. Uh, that, that commandment number 10 of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet or want something that somebody else has. And we may feel like we don't have anything in common with these brothers, but the truth is we can all relate to that early stage of jealousy. And here's what's disturbing. Wherever you find yourself on this path, whether you're in the early stages of jealousy or bitterness or in those later stages, it's still the same path. It's the same path that leads to the same destination. And when we think about it this way, we can see that all sin is a big deal. There is urgency here. Sin has got to be dealt with. It's got to be confessed. It's got to be resolved. Otherwise, it takes you down that road to a hardened heart, and eventually it leads to death. And by the way, we're not just talking about jealousy here. That progression applies to any kind of sin, whether greed or lust or dishonesty or pride. 
whatever your weakness is. Be aware of this path. Because one day you may discover that your heart has turned to stone. And you may learn that you are capable of doing things that would have been unthinkable in the past. And as we've seen, at least some of Joseph's brothers reached that stage, but not all of them. Soon we learn that Reuben, the oldest brother, has a softer heart than the rest. Verse 21 says, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue Joseph from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to their father. Now, as far as we know, Reuben was not exempt from those feelings of jealousy and envy toward Joseph, but his heart had not reached that hardened state. He, he wanted no part in killing his brother. So he presented a plan to the other brothers that would allow them to get what they want without being guilty of murder. And apparently the, the brothers were willing to follow Joseph's plan, or Reuben's plan. Verse 23 says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. So Joseph finds himself in a deep pit. And this is our second waypoint on Joseph's journey. Man, in those early years, life was so good. But everything changed almost in an instant. And Joseph never could have imagined something like this would happen. It would have caught him completely off guard, and he would have been in shock. Now, Scripture doesn't go into detail here, but after Joseph was thrown into the pit, Reuben left. We don't know exactly where he went. We don't know why he left, but he's gone. And that's important to remember as we look at the next part of the story. Verse 25 as the brothers sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Now, did you notice what these brothers were doing? This is how hard they were. After they threw Joseph into that pit, they sat down to eat. And I'm sure Joseph was down there yelling, guys, what are you doing here? Are you going to leave me to die? And they're just sitting nearby, gnawing on some ribs, smiling and thinking, uh, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. Man, that is cold. But hold on. There's one more brother who started to have second thoughts, a brother named Judah. Listen to verse 26. Judah said to his brothers, uh, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. Now, if you're cynical, you might say that Judah is just motivated by the money here. But I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I want to believe that Judah actually felt some kind of remorse over what they had planned to do. So he came up with a different plan. We don't have to kill Joseph. Let's sell him into slavery. And if they followed Judah's plan, they would still get rid of Joseph. They wouldn't be guilty of murder, 
and they would actually get paid. That's what you call a win-win-win. And the other brothers liked this idea. So when the caravan came by, they pulled their baby brother out of the pit, and they sold him for 20 shekels. And just like that, Joseph was gone. He was carried off to Egypt, and their problem went away, right? Actually, no, their problem did not go away. You know, it's always tempting to think that you can outrun the consequences of your sin. In the aftermath of sin, there always comes a choice. You can choose to confess it, or you can cover it up. Now, if your heart is softened toward God, you're willing to confess your sin. But if your heart is hard, you do what feels like the easy thing, and you try to cover it up. But the reality is, you will never outrun the consequences of sin. This is a truth that's been proven again and again and again. Sin will catch up with you. Chances are very good that those consequences will catch up with you here in this life. And that's what happened with the brothers in this story. Reuben returned. He saw that the other brothers had sold Joseph into slavery, and he was devastated. But from there, the brothers worked as a team to cover up their sin. They took Joseph's robe, they covered it with goat's blood, and they carried that robe back to their father. And then in verse 33, Jacob recognized the robe, and he said, it's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. As a father myself, I can't even imagine this kind of heartbreak. It's, it's too hard to even think about. But let's remember what started this whole conflict in the first place. It was just jealousy. And what were these brothers jealous about? Was it some coat? Not really. The brothers were jealous for their father's love and affection. But by getting rid of Joseph, did they make any kind of progress in their relationship with dad? Not at all. All they did was hurt their father deeply. And it says the sons tried to comfort their father, but that comfort was just an empty gesture because they didn't confess their sin. They just tried to hide it. They tried to cover it up. See, these guys did not outrun the consequences of sin. They had to live with it. And then many years later, uh, they're going to see Joseph again. They'll be reminded of their guilt, and this time, Joseph will have the upper hand. And this is what often happens. Chances are very good that you will face the consequences of sin here in this life. But even if that doesn't happen, all of us have to answer to God someday. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. We are no different than any person in the Bible or any other person who ever lived. 
a heart that is hardened toward God will be separated from God forever. This is a hard truth. These are serious consequences. So we need to take this story and and make it personal. And ultimately, I do see good news, even in this part of Joseph's story. But before we get to the good news, we have to take a a very honest look at ourselves. I want to ask you today, what is the state of your heart toward God? I know a lot of us are visual learners, like me, so I want to put up a simple chart on the screen. And on the left side of this chart, you've got a softened heart. Uh, this, this is a heart that's willing to listen to God. If this is you, you're, you're willing to let God direct you and redirect you until you're fully aligned with His will. But then over on the right side, you've got a hardened heart. This kind of heart is completely hardened toward God. You're not willing to listen to Him, and you're not even willing to try. Because there is some kind of sin in your life, and you've held on to that sin for too long, and it's made you numb, and you just keep doing things that hurt others and even hurt yourself, but you don't care. You're numb to guilt, you're numb to pain, and you're numb to the presence of God in your life. Now, let's take the characters in today's story and try to put them somewhere on this chart. Obviously, most of Joseph's brothers were very close to that hardened heart on the right. However, we could probably separate Judah out of that group. It seems like he wasn't completely willing to kill his brothers. And then we could put Reuben even further to the left. He was trying to save Joseph and bring him home. But what about Joseph himself? Well, as the story goes on, we're going to see that, no, Joseph wasn't perfect, but he did have a heart that was softened toward God and toward God's purposes. So, this is where we put the Bible characters up on the chart. Joseph would be way over to the left toward that softened heart. But let's make this personal once again. Where are you? What's the state of your heart? And that's a good question to ask. But we're actually in dangerous territory here because if you don't listen to this next part, you could actually miss the whole point of this sermon. You you could uh, get the wrong idea about what the Bible teaches. You see, we could look at a chart like this and say, okay, I get it. Uh, This chart represents how good or bad a person is. And and if I want to be acceptable to God, I need to try as hard as I can to get over to the left side of that chart. But please listen. (laughs) This chart is is not a way to measure how good or bad you are. Because you can't be accepted by God through trying to be good enough, trying to reach a certain moral standard, because none of us are close to what God would call good. So don't walk away thinking that if you try really hard, you might get God to accept you. The Bible doesn't teach that. But the Bible does refer to the hardness or the softness of your heart. And that's a very different thing. Listen to what God said in the book of Ezekiel. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So do you see it? You can't change your own heart. I can't change my heart. The only hope I have and the only hope you have is to let God change your heart. His Spirit is the one who will move you to follow His decrees, obey His laws, and become the person that He wants you to be. You can't do that work yourself, but God can. You see, a softened heart, it it doesn't earn God's approval, it just allows God to work. And this is why a heart of stone is so dangerous. It doesn't mean that you're too far gone. It doesn't mean that you're unforgivable. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. It's simply this. A hardened heart will prevent God's grace from working. God can do amazing things in you, but you do have to let Him. And this is the good news. You can change. Even with Joseph's brothers in this story down the road, we're going to see those hard hearts soften. But we've got to be clear on how God does that. Uh, your heart doesn't change because of your effort to be a good person. So how does God change a heart? Well, the answer is simple, but it's profound. The answer is Jesus. There's a great passage in Hebrews chapter 10, and it talks about the mess that we have made because of our sin. And there is no religious system or human effort that can solve this problem. The only way to solve the problem was Jesus. Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So once we accept that sacrifice and give our lives to Jesus, God will look at us and see us as perfect which is kind of strange because we know we're not perfect yet. you got two things going on there. Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So it's past tense and present. It's still going on. So if you are in Christ, you are already good enough. God is still working on you. And this is what God is looking for from all of us. He's looking for a softened heart, a willingness to put our faith and trust in Him, a willingness to listen to Him and surrender to His will. It all goes back to the theme of this series. What difference does it make if you really believe that God is with you? And what difference does it make if you really believe that God will eventually set things right if you put your trust in Him? When your heart is soft, You're willing to trust in God. You'll say, not my will, Lord, but your will. I don't have to understand how you're going to work everything out. I don't need to know why you've told me to do what you want me to do. I'm just going to trust you and surrender to you. I'm telling you, a prayer like that requires patience. Patience is exactly what Joseph's brothers did not have. Uh, They didn't want to wait on God. They took matters into their own hands. And that was a huge contrast to Joseph. Next week, we'll continue the story. Joseph begins his life as a slave in Egypt. But I want to give you a sneak peek and read just one verse for you. Genesis 39, 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. master. So here's Joseph. He's living living as a slave in Egypt. And he could have said, my life is not fair. 
He could have grown bitter toward God. He could have allowed his heart to harden. But Joseph didn't do that. He chose to trust. He surrendered to God's plan. He allowed God to work in his heart. And even through the hardest of times, Joseph was blessed by that choice. So this is the challenge for us today. I'm praying that all of us will soften our hearts toward God and what he wants to do in us. So let's do this. Soften your heart. Allow God to work in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for reminding us of the bad news. I thank you so much for the good news. The possibility that our hearts can change because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of your spirit in us. We can change if we allow you to do that work in us. So Lord, I pray right now that we will be open to you, that our hearts will be softened toward you wherever you're leading us from here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.